We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. And I really appreciate you coming out on a holiday weekend. Thank you so much from me. I'm really thankful to see you here. I know it's been a crazy week and it's like you could just be so tired and it's dark early. It's like dark at noon around here, it seems like. And so you could have easily said, no, I'm just going to stay in. But you came out to worship God. So this is me clapping for you. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, everybody that is checking us out online. We are Redemption Church in Plano, Texas. My name is Chris Fluitt, and I am so glad to be with you. I, can I give you all a real quick Thanksgiving from me? Uh, last week, we got good news on our eight-week pregnancy. Good news. So we've been praying for that. That is great news. We're so thankful for that. And uh, let, let's just keep you praying for us. We're so glad uh, about God moving on our behalf. We are in the fourth week of our series. It is called Second Helping. We've talked about a second kingdom. We've talked about a second chance. We've talked about a second option. And each week we have told you that God favors the second. It's all throughout your Bible. God favors the second. So you don't have to fight for first. That's how the world goes about things. They all fight for first. And if you're in first, that is the most dangerous place to be because people are sniping for you. People are coming for you. But in God's kingdom, you don't have to fight for first. He favors second. He favored the most favored spot is putting him first and serving others. And then he makes up all the difference. And I've seen that time and time again in my life. Today, I want to talk to you about a second help. Who knows it's good to have help? Yeah, absolutely. My goodness, it makes me tempted to to act like I'm moving and y'all y'all need to help me move, right? So that would be good that would be really clever right there. Oh, people, but have you ever had that one friend it's like they haven't talked to you in a long time but they call you and it's like, "Hey, buddy, chief, how are you?" You know, I'm so thankful for you as a friend. You've always been there for me. Hey, guess what? I'm moving this Saturday. It's like don't you have a truck? All right, these kind of things. I, I want to tell you, it is so good to have some help because I can't do it all on my own. My strength is not enough. Me at my most strong, I, I am not enough. Uh, my wisdom, it is sure not enough. My talent, it's not enough. My time is not enough. When all of that, when you come up short on all these things, that's when you realize really quickly, man, it would be sure really nice to have some help. John 14 and 15, where we're going to be parking today. We're going to be spending some time here. Uh, this is the words of Jesus, well-known verse. It says, if you love me, keep my commands. And that could be its own sermon, but what he follows with this, part of keeping his commands and loving him, is what follows. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you for just a little bit. <laughs> for, for as long as you're doing right. So as long as you've got it together, right? No, forever. 
There is a help for you forever. Jesus said these words and he promises another advocate. Can you say another advocate? To help you. The word for advocate is parakletos. I've practiced that all week. My kids have been like watching me walk through the house just out of random. I'd be like, parakletos. There it is. Everyone, practice with me. Parakletos. That is the word for advocate right there. It means advocate, an intercessor, one who pleads a case before a judge. In the broadest sense of the word, it means very simply helper. It's a helper, parakletos. Jesus promises another helper. Another? Another? This suggests that there's more than one helper. So who are these helpers? Well, the very next verse Jesus tells us, John 14 and uh, verse 16, it says, the spirit of truth. Somebody say the spirit of truth. Give me some other words that describe spirit of truth. It's the, the Holy Spirit. It's God's spirit, right? That, that's what this is. So the, the Holy Spirit is another helper. It is a parakletos. The spirit of truth, that Holy Spirit, is who Jesus is talking about here. But we have more than one parakletos. That's why he says another. So who is the other parakletos in Scripture? It is Jesus himself in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Quickly throw that up here, my dear children. I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, man, have I ever needed that verse in my life. But <laughs> if anyone does sin, we have a parakletos, an advocate, a helper with the Father. And that is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So Jesus Christ, the righteous one. There's that word again, parakletos. Back in John 14, we have Jesus Christ, our advocate, telling us the Father will send yet another advocate. Confused yet? There is a lot we could say about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but I like to keep it simple. So here we go right here. We've got God as our Father, right? He's the Father of all. He creates all. He's above all, through all, and in you all. He is Father. God is Father. He's the source of all life. He is the one that breathed life into mankind and we became living beings. He's every, but he's also, he's also the father of angels. Angels don't exist without God creating them. And he is the father of all creation. Everything we see is created for him, by him, with him. It's God, our father. And then we have God with us. Who is God with us? We're, we're, we're entering into a God with a season where we're talking about the Messiah. What is the word for God with us? It's a Emmanuel. It's a Hebrew word. It means God with us. And we know that Jesus Christ is that same God. Now he is with us. All right. So I want you to picture we've got God who is father and he is he is holy. He's untouchable. He's almost pretty much unapproachable. Do you understand? He's invisible. But we who are sinners, we can't come approach God. But now that God who is so far from us uh, that we could not approach, he is now nearer to us. Why? Because he is God with us. All right? But God doesn't stop there. 
We have God in us. What's God in us? That is the Holy Spirit. So there is one God. Let's sort that out really quick. There's only one God here. We're not suggesting that there's three gods. No, this is the same God, right? But what I want you to see is how a distant God separated from us because of sin has drawn near. It's the same God drawing near to us. God in heaven, he doesn't stay in heaven. He comes to earth. And as good as it is for him to be on earth, he doesn't stay there. He even draws closer. And how can you get closer than beside somebody? You become the spirit that is within them. The son Jesus is God coming near us. The spirit is God coming even nearer to us. Can I give you a comfortable view? We'll start comfortable, right? Who, who likes comfort? Here it is. Jesus is walking beside you. Imagine this. Jesus is walking beside you. We even have, uh, there's the, the poem in the, in the 80s and in the 90s. You know what I'm talking The Footprints poem and everybody, if you're a Christian kid in the 80s or 90s, you probably had a Footprints uh, poster on the wall. And what, there was one set of Footprints. And I said, God, where were you at that time? And he's like, child, that's where I was carrying you. Anybody know the Footprints? Yeah, it's good. I want you to imagine Jesus walking beside you and like you're hungry. And he's like, oh, cool. I'll, I can make food. And he like just turns bread into more bread, right? Uh, how about Jesus comforting you? You needed comfort. And he's like, I'm here to comfort you. How about healing you? He's a healer. He'll heal you. How about serving you? He'll do all of that. And then you're never lonely because Jesus is beside you and Jesus will talk to you and he'll sort out all the issues, right? He will show you things about yourself that you never knew. Think about how easy it would be to bring others into a relationship with the Jesus that's standing beside you. Think how easy that would be. What would that be like? That would be like, hey, Joe, come meet Jesus. He's right here. Jesus, Joe, Joe, Jesus. You guys should talk. Right? That, that, that's one way, right? And that's what happens in John 4. In John 4, there's a woman at the well, and we see she meets Jesus, and she runs into the entire town. She says, come meet a guy. Come meet a man who told me everything about me. So it's it's pretty easy, and it's a comfortable idea that if Jesus was walking beside you, it'd be really easy to introduce him to all of your friends. Does that make sense? Christians are real comfortable with this view, and we should be. But let's give you an uncomfortable view, just because we can. Here we go. It's uncomfortable to think this way. The spirit living within you, for a lot of people, that's uncomfortable. What exactly do you mean about a spirit living inside me? How about this? The spirit is working. Well, well like what kind of work are you talking about? Am I okay with this work? What's going on? Empowering you? That sounds pretty good, but then you say, gifting you to do bold things. And people are like, okay, now you're getting a little crazy. How about the Spirit actually talking to you and reminding you of things? And now, now that's where most people go, okay, you're crazy. Right? Now you're hearing voices? Is that what you're talking about? No, the Spirit's inside you. And this is what Jesus says in John 14. says he, the Spirit will remind you of everything I have taught you. Well, listen, we can clap for that. But most of the church world is pretty uncomfortable with that. 
In fact, they, they only you only hear about the Holy Spirit usually when they're like singing the doxology at church. That's usually the only time people, it's the Father, the Son, and the other guy in most churches. That, that, is, that is the truth. Somebody say, yeah, if I'm right. The Spirit does supernatural things to you. And that, whoa, through you, like, and it gets weird. Like, some of those gifts of the Spirit, we'll just go ahead and tell you. Prophecy. And God tells you to tell someone something. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not sure about this. Shouldn't you tell pastor that instead? Or tongues? Tongues is in there. How about healing? What if God said, I want to heal somebody through you, but you have to be brave enough to go over there and pray for them? That's uncomfortable. I would much rather Jesus just walk with somebody and I'll just hold him by the hand. We'll, we'll go over there together and we'll let him do all the work. It's like, Jesus, there you go. You go do that. What if God wants to do something a little different where he's using you? Where he's working in you? Now, here's the other thing. With Jesus not being visible beside us, walking inside, exactly beside us, we have this invisible spirit. Think about how scared you are to bring others into a relationship with the God that's inside you. And some of you, you have really dealt with that. you like, I don't know quite how to share my faith. I know that I have friends that don't know the Lord. I know I have friends that even know the Lord. And sometimes you're scared to even talk to them. You're scared. It would be so much easier if Jesus was like standing right beside you. But he is not. Instead, he's put his spirit within us. And we feel a little bit disadvantaged, if I can just be honest with you. I don't know if you feel that way, but I think a lot of Christians feel disadvantaged, even though they have the Holy Spirit of God living inside them. God as Father, God as Son, God as Spirit, God, God with us, God in us. It should not be uncomfortable because it's the same God. It's the same God with the same plan, the same intention, the same love for you. It's seen all, all through here, all of it. The same power is for you. The same, the, the, the same uh, plan to clean you up. The same plan to give you joy. The same plan to bless you. It's all in here. But it, it makes us maybe a little nervous. It's the same God helping us. It's the same operation of faith. Many Christians are comfortable talking about Jesus, but they're uncomfortable talking about the Holy Spirit. We seem to forget that Jesus, we seem to forget that Jesus made people uncomfortable. See, we have this point, well, that Holy Spirit stuff, that's going to freak people out. But Jesus, he's always so sweet. And he's just always, he's like a pizza party Jesus. He's always a lot of fun. And he's, no, no, you remember this. Jesus made a lot of people uncomfortable because sometimes you need to be uncomfortable. Sometimes we need to change and sometimes we need to hear a hard truth. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus would challenge people. Yes. And, and he operated in the supernatural and didn't, you know, ask anyone's permission before he did it. By the way, if it's okay, can I, can I just heal this? Blind man? No, he just went and did it. And then he forgave someone of their sins. And everybody's like, I don't even know if that's okay. Is that okay? Jesus didn't ask your permission. He just did it. 
and it made people uncomfortable. And probably the most uncomfortable place for Jesus to show up was actually the church when he showed up at the temple one day and they were they were cheating people and he just turned over the money tables and he says he grabbed a whip. That's pretty uncomfortable. Hey, gosh, oh my gosh. Uh, thank you guests for being here today. We do not have whips. We're, we're not doing anything like that today. But I, I want to ask you this today. Are you willing to follow God even when it's uncomfortable? Are you willing to follow God even when it's like, I don't know about that. I'm not sure about that. Maybe you've got questions or maybe it's flat out Jesus looking you in the eye, the spirit stinging your heart and saying, you are wrong and you need to forgive other people. You are wrong and you need to stop that thing that's in your life. Are we still willing to follow God when it's uncomfortable? Following God in discomfort is good for us, just like lifting weights is uncomfortable, but it builds your muscle. Experiencing the God of the supernatural, that is what is always best for us. It is better for God to be in you than actually to be beside you. And that's not a diss on Jesus because that's actually what Jesus said. Here it is, John 16, verse 7. This is Jesus talking. He says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Now, in a few chapters, Jesus is going to go, whoop, like post-resurrection. Post he's going to go straight up to heaven. They're going to look up, and he's going to disappear behind a cloud, and they don't see him anymore. And he's trying to get them ready for this moment by telling them, it is good that I go away. What does he say? Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Who is he talking about here? He is talking about the Holy Spirit. The reason Jesus went away was so that God could be in you. And he says his own definition is that it is better for God to be in you than simply walking beside. Because God, here's the deal, God who is up in heaven has always wanted to be closer to you. That's why he came to earth. That's also why he left and sent his spirit because he wants to be closer to you. I don't care how close you are to God today. He still wants to be closer to you. He, he wants to be closer to me. He wants to be closer to your heart, to your family. He wants to be closer to us. Isn't that some good news? Yeah. Acts 1 and 8. This is that same Jesus. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That word for power, it's dunamis right there. And it's the word we get dynamite. The Holy Spirit is like dynamite power. And what does it do? You will be witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What's the power behind that? It's not actually Jesus beside you. It's Jesus in you. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. It means you can't measure it. There is no measuring tape 
that can measure the one who's able to do. And what does it say? More than all we ask. I've always kind of pushed back on this just a little. Because I can ask pretty big. I can ask pretty Dad, did I ever ask pretty big growing up? I asked pretty big growing up. The Bible says that he can do immeasurably more than what you ask. It goes on. Or imagine according to what? To his power that's in heaven, that's in a book, Bible, that's in a church building. Where is the power? The immeasurable power is in you. More than you can ask, more than you can imagine, is the power of God that's in you. Do you believe that? Jesus believed that. God's word tells us that. If you need help today, I want to introduce you to another helper. It's God's spirit. This church wants to help you. This church loves to help people. But guess what? We try to do ministries to help you, and they're, they're, it's just never enough. We are not able to meet every need ourselves. Your connect groups want to help you. The, these groups meet in house to house, and they, they try to help you. But we try to grow in relationship in order to help you, but we're just limited. We're not. We're not, some somebody that's a connect group leader. Y'all tell me you you're not enough to help people sometimes, right? Yeah. And this preacher wants to help you. I always pray, God, what can I say that would help these people? The worship team wants to help you. They're not putting on a show. They want to help you get closer to God. But as much as we want to help you, the help we all really need is God himself. You don't need a church building. You don't need a preacher to be your help. As much as you need God himself to be your help. I want you to know that it is God himself that can wipe away all your guilt and your shame and your sin. Everything that you're, you're ashamed of in your life. It's God himself that wipes that away. It's God himself that defeated a grave. It is God himself who heals. It is God himself that then fills you with his spirit, his power, because God himself is our help. I want you to say this out loud. God wants to help you. Oh my goodness. It took me way too long in church to realize. I, I would pray really hard. God, please help me. And I would pray. PA, I would pray like this. I would like, maybe I can pray good enough to that he would want to help me. Like he doesn't help want to help me, but if I pray really good, if I get the V's and the vowels in the right spot, if I can quote his favorite verse, I don't know which one it is, but if I can quote that, then maybe he would want to help me. It took me way too long in life to realize God already wants to help me. You don't actually have to talk him into it. God wants to help you today. What a joy it is to carry that message to people. That ought to be the message of the church. The message of the church is not God hates you and you're a cotton-headed ninny-muggins and he just get away. No, God's message for the world, for the church to carry is God loves you. 
He is not mad at you, but madly in love with you. And he wants to help you. That's our message. God does not want to curse you. He wants to bless you. God does not want to throw you away. He wants to redeem you. God does not want to take your life. He wants to give you life. God does not want to harm you. He wants to help you. Talking about a second help. We need a second help because you as your first help is not enough. Our own strength, intelligence, ability is not enough. We need a second help. We need God himself to help us. When people cry out to God for help, he answers. God wants to help you, but that's not all he wants for you today. Let's tell you that. He really wants to help you, but that's not all he wants to do for you today. It would be so easy to end this sermon with the message that God wants to help you, and then we all ask God to help us, and then we feel a lot better we could just go home. All of that's true, but I know God wants another thing for you today. Is it okay if God wants another thing for you? And another one. So we'll free, feel free to ask God for help in just a little bit. But before we get there, I want to tell you, God wants you to travel the second mile. We've been talking about how God favors the second over the last month. In the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says some dangerous words. Jesus says in verse 38, you've heard it said. In other words, other people have told you, your Sunday school teacher taught you, grandmother always said, the pastor always said, you have heard it said. And then he follows that up in verse 39 with, but I tell you, I'm going to tell you different. Jesus is not afraid to buck tradition. You have always heard it this way, but I'm going to correctly show you how it really is. This is Jesus and in, in the most uncomfortable way possible. He is changing everybody's viewpoint. And for the rest of the fifth chapter of Matthew, Jesus corrects what we have heard. And he teaches us what to do instead. He tells us to love our enemies, to turn the other cheek rather than strike other other people's cheeks. And, and if you're if you if someone takes your shirt, don't be mad about it. Actually give them your coat also. All of this is in the, the following verses in this chapter. And then we get to verse 41 and that's what I want to focus on for the rest of our time. If anyone forces you, does anybody like the word forces? If we're not talking about Star Wars, I don't want to hear the word force. If you're being forced to do something, that's usually a bad thing. But Jesus says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Who could force you to go a mile? What are you talking about, Jesus? What is this about? Let's explain it. Take some context. Here it is very quickly. Israel was under Roman rule. Israel wasn't calling the shots, but the nation of Rome was, and they had big armies to back them up in, in all of this regard. And the Romans had a law that if any Roman citizen asked an Israelite to carry their stuff, the Israelite would have to do it. That was a law on the books. Imagine, okay, just imagine you're at home, you're doing the dishes. Son, think about that. 
doing the dishes. Or, or you just sat down for dinner and it, you've worked hard on this meal and here it is. Oh, it looks so good. Maybe it's Thanksgiving. Maybe the Cowboys are on. But you're in this wonderful moment and then suddenly you're rudely interrupted by a knock on the door, a big banging on the door. And you go to the door and a Roman citizen is there and he tells you, hey, these bags right here, carry them. And he just immediately walks off. And he expects you to pick up the stuff that he was carrying and to carry it one mile. That was the rule of the day. Because of this unfair law, the Roman could force you to carry the items one mile. This is also a reason why the Israelites hated the Roman citizens. They hated Roman soldiers. They hated them. They were being abused by them. It was unfair and it was unjust. Imagine how you would feel being forced to carry the possessions of people who disrespect you and view you as lesser. Here is what the Israelites actually did. This is what they, they had it down to a system right here. They, they measured out a mile from their front door and they would put up little signs or they'd mark something. They would know there was a certain rock and that's one mile. And they were forced to go one mile. So they just, they carried that stuff and they just cursed under their breath or, or did whatever they needed to do. And they'd get to that place that was one mile. They would set it down and then they would just turn away and they'd walk and they wouldn't say a word to the Roman soldier. They walked away angry. They walked away abused by unjust laws. That's the context of Matthew 5, 41. Jesus says, you have heard it this way. That's how you're supposed to do it. You're just supposed to go the minimum, go one mile, and then just be abused and walk away. But Jesus says, but I tell you. Jesus gives them a new way to look at it. Jesus says something that shocks the audience when he says, go with them two miles. God wants you to travel the second mile. But why? Why does he want us to? Jesus, it's an unjust law. Aren't you mad about the law? He never talks about the unjustness of the law. He knew it was unjust, absolutely. Jesus, I, would I was hoping you would tell me to ignore that law. That's what I really wanted you to say. I wanted you to preach that one, Jesus, but you didn't. Jesus, I was hoping you would do away with this law. You can do anything, right? You walk on water. Could you just... Do away with this, this law. Maybe overthrow the system. Even better, could you make the Romans pay? Could you make it so the Romans have to carry our stuff one mile? Ooh, that would be really good. These are the thoughts going through those people's heads. And they're the thoughts that go through your head when people treat you badly. They're the thoughts that go through your head even while you're driving on I-75. And you know it's true. You've got that person that cuts you off and you're like, ooh, what I would give to get in front of that person. It's so, so, so stupid, but we're that way. If you have stuck with this series, you probably know the answer to why. Here it is. God favors the second. That's a simple way to say it. God favors the second. I want to tell you how God favors the second mile here. God favors us even while we are being unfavored by others. God will bless you. God will work for you even when other people are working against you. 
he actually places a victory in the second mile. The Roman law was unjust. It would be easy to think that victory would be in overturning the unjust law. But that is not what Jesus does here. Jesus instead offers a surprising victory. The victory is in going beyond the requirement. Somebody say requirement. The requirement of the law is what robs the Israelites of their victory. They're required to do that thing. And so you think, well, the way to undo that requirement is to undo the, un, the, the requirement. But Jesus undoes the requirement in a bizarre way. He says, go beyond it. The willing offering of the second mile is what gains the victory. If you are only living by the one mile requirement of religion, oh, y'all listen. Religion has a one mile requirement. Just do this and you're okay. And just come to church and clap your hands. But don't get too excited. Just do it like that. Do it like thus and so, right? Mm -hmm. Take communion like this. Dress like this. Talk like this. These are the, the, the requirements of religion. And if you just live by the requirements, you, you, you're not very happy. Quiet, but I know it's true. I know it because I've lived it. I know that I've, I've lived for God, not really in times. I've lived for religion instead. And then you, what happens is you end up resenting your faith, even. Because the requirement of the law, just like the requirement of that Roman law caused them to resent the Romans, the requirement of religion, if you live by that, you'll end up resenting faith. If you're under the obligation of the one mile radius of your relationships, we're talking your marriage, we're talking with your children, we're talking with your friendship, we're talking with co-workers. If you live life under this requirement scenario, you're not going to be very happy. You won't be happy married. And if you're being forced to do something, then there is no joy or victory in the act. There's never joy or victory when you're being forced. Instead, go past the obligation of the first mile. And that's where victory is found in the second mile. The Roman made them walk the first mile, but the second mile, Jesus instructed them to, them to freely walk the second mile. Imagine what a Roman citizen would do if they realized, wait, they're still walking with me. Why is it that you're walking with me? Jewish person, what are you doing? But this is. This is how you live for Jesus beyond the requirement. And that's what makes the second mile victorious. If you're a Christian out of requirement, you listen. Young people, young people, y'all know what it's like to be a Christian out of requirement. I got to go to church because dad says, as long as you're living under my roof, you're going to be in church. Listen, I love you at church and you better listen to your mom and dad, but I want better for you than a Christianity of requirement. I want more for you than that. More than me. Jesus wants more for you than that. If you are doing all the things, you know all the things, all the Christian things, don't say these words, say these words, don't look at this up, look at this up, and all the things I got to do, all the things. If you're doing all the things so that you are not going to hell, you're not happy. 
then you're if that is just merely walking the first mile where you have no victory but there's also there's victory in the second mile there's also power if jesus asks you to walk the second mile then you can be sure he'll give you the strength to walk it there are some people that are not easy to walk with i get that but god's grace will cover you in that second mile if you stop at the first mile you'll miss that power but that power comes on you and you'll love at a level that you've never loved before. You have the power of God in you. That's that Holy Spirit. That is that second help. And you can do all things through that power. But you got to keep walking. He gives power in the second mile. Lastly, he gives love in the second mile. Love is showing up in the second mile. Love doesn't show up in the first mile. Doesn't. That's the requirement. There's a lot of resentment in the first mile. There, there's just an expectation. It's not a gift in the first mile, but in that second mile. That's where love shows up. And if you just set down the sack and walk away after you've kept your commitment, you're, you're just full of resentment. If you continue to walk into the second mile, then you are full of love. The law of obligation robs you of the gift of love. In the second mile, there is victory, there's power, and there's love. I'm going to ask our music team to come. Love you guys. Y'all come on up here. I'm going to be finishing this up very quickly. Here's what I want you to know. going to flip this a little bit at the end of this sermon. Here it is. I want you to be the second help. I want you to be the one to walk the second mile. We've got Jesus Christ. We've got the Holy Spirit as this advocate as a help but in this regard on his on the sermon on the mount he looks in those people and he says i want you to help people i want you to walk beyond i want you to do that we've talked about the helper the parakletos but you can receive help from god today and he'll walk beside you he'll dwell within you god wants to help you but that's not all he wants for you here's what he wants for you he wants you to be the second he wants that for you because God loves you. He wants to use you, but he also loves that person. And he wants you to go and help them. God wants you to be the second help. Not obligation. You listen, not obligation, but a second mile, victorious, powerful, loving help for other people. Redemption Church, are you a help? Are we really help? Listen, we can have a church service and not help anybody. I know what that's like. I've worked in churches just like that. Well, it's Sunday. we got to have church and let's have all those things. And people get mad if you don't sing their favorite song. And people, walk, well, they heard their favorite song and then they just walk out. Nobody's helped. They just got to hear their favorite song and it didn't really help them. They're still angry. They still haven't forgiven others. Redemption Church, we need to be a help to our city. So will we walk the second mile for our city? And I want us as a church to pray about what that is. God, in what way can I walk beyond obligation for Plano, Texas, for the Dallas Metroplex? Will we walk a second mile for our world? Are there, are there things beyond our grasp that we can stretch and we can maybe help? We could pray and we could send money to those things. There, we're already, we're already about to send an offering off to orphans 
in Russia. Is that cool? We want to go the second mile for those people. Let's get a little real. Just two more things to say. And then I'm going to be quiet. Will you walk the second mile for someone in the room that you're in right now? Will you do that? Will you pray for them? Will you be there for them? Will you listen to them? Will you have a conversation where you are not the center of it for a moment? <laughs> that's sometimes what we need to do, Christians. That's sometimes what we need to do. Will you walk the second mile for someone not in the room right now? Maybe God would reveal both of those to you. There might be someone in this room right now that needs a second mile Christian. There might I know there's someone outside this room that needs you to be a second mile Christian. Will you do that? We're gonna we're gonna worship God in this place. If you want prayer in this house, we're gonna. You just come up and we'll pray with you. But we're going to reach out to the Lord. We're going to talk to him and we're going to uh, worship him for the next few moments. Go ahead and start that music. I'm going to pray for everybody watching, listening online. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for all my friends watching, listening online. Be with them. Lord, they're called, Lord, to have the second help in them. That advocate, the Holy Spirit working in their life. And not only that, but they're called then to be a second help to other people. That they would be a burden bearer. Lord, that they would be a victorious second mile Christian. Help us to live beyond that obligation. Get a hold of our hearts. Bring us closer to you in Jesus' name. Come on, Redemption Church. Let's come talk to God in this place. 214-856-0550.